I want my Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum. Welcome to another episode of Bible Gum, the show that brings you Bible insights, lessons, and humor. Today is Follow Up Friday. I'll be responding to questions and comments I receive, as well as giving you some updates. But first, I must say, I hope you're having a good Friday. Okay, let's get started. So of late, I've been seeing news clips and stories of all these megachurch pastors being arrested all over the world, especially in the United States, for disobeying all the COVID-19 social distance laws. The government of most towns or countries have set in place rules that limit the number of people that can congregate or assemble in one place. These rules and laws obviously affect churches and their meetings. Depending on the size of the congregation, they could be anywhere from dozens to hundreds or even thousands of people in one location. And that is what the government is trying to limit in order to combat the spread of this virus. That is why a lot of sports leagues and schools and everything are shut down right now. It's because they don't want the people to group up. Now, these pastors have taken upon themselves to still have their regular services, having thousands, having hundreds or thousands of people in one location together and disobeying the order. I'm seeing several churches have been fined, pastors are being arrested, and the question rises up, is this oppression against the church or are these pastors in the wrong? Well, if nothing else, I could definitely say a pastor with a mugshot is not a good look. So a lot of Christians are divided on this topic. Should churches follow these rules or should they still meet and assemble? Oftentimes, both sides will cite the Bible or reference the Bible in some way or another to point out that their side is correct. I'll start with the defense that the pastors are using to continue services as usual. Most likely, they're going to reference Hebrews 10, verse 25, which commands us not to forsake the assembly. In simple terms, believers are commanded to meet together. Not forsaking the assembly means that it is a sin to have no desire to be a part of a church. There are many benefits and aspects to a church that cannot be done by an individual. Knowing this, God commands us to be a part of a church. And in not forsaking the assembly, he's also encouraging us to regularly get together. So oftentimes when these pastors are disobeying the government and still having their meetings, so oftentimes they'll continually reference this verse because they're saying that these laws and the government wants them to forsake the assembly. They want them to disobey God and not meet. Now, I will not be going into their head and discussing what are their alternative motives, what their gains are, or anything like that. I'll simply take their defense at face value. They're simply saying that the government is making laws that go directly in violation of God's laws. And when given the choice, they will follow God before man. On the other side of the argument, more often than not, you're going to end up at Romans 13, verse 1 through 7. I will read it. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are are ordained of God. Whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do, that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath unto him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually unto this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. 
The first two verses of this passage lets you know that no one's in power without God allowing them to be there. As I've previously mentioned in other episodes of this podcast, this does not mean that God is supporting or condoning everything the leader does. It simply means that he allows them to be in that position and remain there, because at any time, God can remove them when he chooses. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, means that these rulers and laws are not put in place to stop you from doing good things. It is to stop you from doing evil. For example, a speed limit is not the government oppressing you. It is to stop you from driving 200 miles an hour through a school zone and killing children. Following the speed limit through a school zone is probably a good thing. And verse 4 is simply explaining that there should be a consequence for breaking rules. Verse 5, the fear of punishment shouldn't be the only reason why you follow the rules. Your desire to avoid a speeding ticket should not be the only reason why you don't drive 200 miles an hour through a school zone. And verses 6 and 7 supports giving honor to those in authority, in certain practices such as paying tribute or taxes. In summary, someone who's following the Bible in this verse should not be a rebel, should not be trying to overthrow the government and create anarchy or chaos. Now, going back to these pastors, the defense will be that the government is putting them in a position where they have to choose between man's law and God's law. They may even reference the book of Daniel when the Jews were in captivity, and the king of Babylon wanted all the people to bow before him and recognize him as God on earth. The punishment for not doing this was the death sentence. Three Hebrew boys who refused to do this because they knew it was in direct violation of God's laws were thrown into the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. When this happened, the flames did them no harm and proved to everyone that God was with them. Later in the book of Daniel, when the Persians conquered the Babylonian empire, the Jews then became subject to them. A law was passed that forbade prayer. For disobeying this law, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Similar to the Hebrew boys in the fire, Daniel was unharmed. Again, this proved the power of God. These are just a few examples in the Bible where God sides with people that follow his law over man's law. So, the million dollar question, who is right? During both examples from the book of Daniel, the government 100% violated God's law. There was no disputing it. Is that similar to what we're seeing today when governments are limiting the number of people that can be present for a church service? Not really. The government is not outlawing churches altogether, and it is not forcing the people to worship the state or another god. So in reality, the situations are not really similar. So you might ask, if it is a sin to forsake the assembly, is it wrong to socially distance? I would say no, and here's my reason why. In Matthew 18.20, Jesus says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You don't need hundreds or thousands of people to congregate together for Jesus to meet with them. So I truly believe the argument that these pastors are using is flawed. They're not martyrs like Paul and the apostles back in the day. And them being arrested is not like Martin Luther King Jr. or preachers in the past that have found themselves on the wrong side of the law by making a godly stance for something. Church is very important. There are certain things that you cannot do alone or from home that you can do with a group of believers. However, church is not the main event. Your walk of faith, first and foremost, begins with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, praying, reading your Bible, and knowing God. That can be done from an individual basis from any location and can never be restricted by the law. And coming together for prayer can be done in small groups. When facing a truly oppressive government, God's people always find a way to do it. Throughout history, the saints have met in houses, in barns, in cellars, and literally underground. Those underground churches were few in number, 
But nonetheless, Jesus was in the midst. So in summary, I really don't think God's people should disobey the law and assemble in great numbers. If nothing else, it sets up the church as an enemy of the state, and there's nothing to gain from that. Not to mention, which pastor needs their mugshot circulating on social media? I mean, that's just not cool. From a spiritual standpoint, everything you can do in a group of 1,000 can be accomplished with a group of 5 or even 10, or specifically, at least 2 or 3. So it's really not necessary to break the law in this case. With that said, I hope you found that interesting. I hope I've given you something to think about and chew on for the rest of the day. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy your weekend. Later. You can find additional information at BibleGum.org or on Twitter and Instagram at BibleGumPodcast. Lastly, I encourage you to share your BibleGum with a friend. You can listen for free on BibleGum.org or any podcast app.